on today's show, you know what time it is. It's time for another Padres player review, this time talking about the one Padre who did perform above expectations. He didn't disappoint. He took another leap. He is fan favorite. He is the extraordinaire, Mr. Hassan Kim, talking about what went right, wrong, and potentially some regression. You know, should they have extended him instead of Cronenworth? All sorts of stuff, guys. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, October 18th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. If you only want Padres tweets, then where I got you over there. I'm going to start posting some stats on there too, I think. Baseball folks like stats. And of course, you can also check out YouTube as well if you want to see my my handsomely good smile and my immaculate, you know, Gucci, Versace, uh, Lordy, I don't know anything about fashion, but you know, if you want to see that, if you want to say hi to Pac-Man and Tatis, go check out on there. Today's episode is brought to you by our good buddies over at FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers can get $5.00. And, or I'm sorry, can bet $5. <laughs> That's a huge difference. Can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. And as I said at the top today, we are going over Hassan Kim's season, giving it the old letter grade. And this is a fun one. This is a fun one. It's actually funny how, like, individually each player, with the exception of Tatis and Bogarts, and then, no, I'm sorry, not Tatis, uh, Bogarts and Machado and Darvish, like, are the recent ones we've did on Soto and Tatis have been really, really positive in a lot of ways. And that's not going to stop today. We're not getting into the full negative uh, just yet, guys. Before we start talking about Kassam Kim, though, I just want to remind everyone to go check out on the Twitter uh, or just message me privately or message the Lockdown Padres email account privately or quote, tweet, whatever. I'm flashing it on the screen right now. The request for mailbag questions going out this Friday, whatever you want. Hopefully baseball, but even if you want to ask me what my favorite meal is at Taco Bell, you could throw that in there as like a bonus. I don't care. Uh, Trying to, dare I say, ask you guys to help me out with the content because I'm a lazy bum. What can I say? You know what I mean? Uh, But no, in all seriousness, haven't done a fan uh, um, mailbag in a while. So, you know, get your questions in. Get your questions in for sure. Whatever you got, I'll try and answer them to the best of my ability, even if they're not on the Padres baseball. Just want to talk about the general state. All for that too. Um... Let's get into it, guys. Ha Sung Kim, where do we even begin? I like that rhyme there. Look, Ha Sung Kim has been a fascinating player to follow in a lot of ways to me. Um, not because he generates storylines, not just because he generates gossip, not because he has a flourish the likes of Tatis or a Ronald Acuna or in, in good or bad, but just because he's just so likable and he's so like an affable personality. He's so endearing. Uh, in many ways, and he's been endearing, in my opinion, for a while now. And I also, I always give him credit because my thing is like, this guy came from the KBO. You know what I mean? Like you're traveling to an entire new place, and for that alone is a huge change. Never mind the fact that he has to face major league pitchers, and never mind the fact that he has to face you know different competition at AAA level and major league level and 
and all that stuff, right? Like it's it's a big jump, and his career has been an, a shining example of what happens when sometimes you give players time. Um, there's some extreme examples that we could get into, right? Like I remember back in the day, JD Martinez didn't blow up for a while, right? I remember when. Um, what's this, you know, some other famous examples, Jose Bautista didn't break out for a while. That's an extreme example. Um, in terms of recent ones, you had Lucas Giolito for a little bit. Like he was really bad, then he was great, then he's bad again, but we're going to ignore that for the sake of this argument. Um, you have Bobby Witt Jr. of the Kansas City Royals, literally the number one prospect in all of baseball, kind of struggles and struggles for a lot this year and then goes forward. And I think that Hassan Kim serves as an example of what happens when you wait. Now, don't get me wrong. As I've said many times on this podcast, I am still in full support of paying and trading for superstar talent. That's what you need. You don't want to be the Brewers or the Rays, right? Like, you need that stuff to win. But when you've already got the superstars like the Padres do and all the other players you've done uh, player reviews on so far, you should have some other guys that you're baking in and giving them time. You give Luis Campizano some time to get better. And then give Hassan Kim some time to get better. And I think what's so important about Hassan Kim is that very notion of patience and it's been like an arc this guy has been like the 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 monkey de luffy you know what i mean starting off as a little scrawny kid and now he's got the power of imagination sort of spoiler alert for anyone following that series or whatever and vice versa right like you want to talk about uh whatever show that involves characters getting stronger and having more influence as time goes on and it took a while right and with hasan kim it didn't take that long it's just that they finally gave him full playing time, uh, his second year especially, and then he took that to the next level this year. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, he's one of the very few Padres players that even Dodgers fans, even whoever division rivals, people who hate the Padres for whatever reason, whatever team you're a fan of, people who have been super down on this Padres team in general, you can basically find nobody that dislikes Hassan Kim, and it's because of his aura, that's because of his smile, that's because of how hard he plays, the energy he plays. With heck, last year in the playoffs, he had one of the big hits that ended up helping them beat the Dodgers, right? Like, he's had so many great moments. You have the Ha-Sung Kim chant all the time, and it's so great whenever it's like a big situation. And the guy really performed this year, and he performed better than he had previously, and he did what I personally was hoping for, but I didn't predict it this season. I thought that what was going to happen, and this wasn't a bad thing, is that he was basically just going to repeat what he did in 2022. And in fact, he did repeat it, but with some extra flair and nice, nice cherry on top. You know what I mean? That was Hassan Kim's season, and I think in a year where there's been a lot of questions on Padres' depth, uh, a, a question and a a critique that I personally think is valid, although I don't think it explains why they were this bad this year. You know what I mean? Especially in one-run games, clutch stats with runners on base. That, to me, is not even a question of depth. You just have to not be awful in those situations, and you would have been okay, right? And Hassan Kim kind of speaks to that, um, which is that he was the guy that stepped up this year. And you need players like that to step up and at least just be okay or decent three-win players or whatever to help supplement your superstars. Um, unfortunately, Hassan Kim seemingly was better than a lot of the players on the Padres this year, especially when it comes to expectations. Like I said, I was expecting him to repeat basically what he did last year. And he did do that. And like I said, he added more to his game. And it was really awesome to see. And I'm excited to talk about it. And I think that with Hassan Kim, also what's so fascinating is he's like one of the only players that I feel like you can point to moments uh, for him this year. Where you like remember like an impactful moment. You remember the stories about how Tatis and Manny love each other, right? You remember the stories about 
um, how Hassan Kim apparently was it Grisham that said that? No, it was, it was Nick Martinez who said that apparently he talks smack in Spanish. Did I know he spoke Spanish? No. As a Hispanic lad myself, did that make me smile that my guy said we're using that language to talk some smack according to Nick Martinez? Oh, yes, it did. See, he's so likable in so many ways. So likable, I need to consider getting a bobblehead of him to put alongside Tatis. He's just so great. And we're going to talk about what went right for him this year, especially compared to past years statistically and in fairness, some things that went wrong. It wasn't a perfect season for um, Kim by any chance, especially uh, towards the waning moments of the year. I think it's really important to get that out there. And it's important to talk about that, you know, is this truly like the next step? Can he get better? Is this just what he is? Is he due for regression? It's all sorts of questions, guys. But we're going to answer them in just a second, guys. Before we do that, let me take a second to talk to you about the folks that we talked about at the top of the show. It's the good folks over at FanDuel. Ladies and gentlemen, gotta love FanDuel. They're always there for us, let me tell you. And as you know, October baseball, it is in full-fledged overdrive kicking right now. The go-kart has been loaded up. You're going around the tracks, trying to get as many wins as you can as the playoff field shrinks and shrinks, but they got you covered, guys. And if you join FanDuel today, you can get started with $200. 200, 200, not $2.002, $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. And what I love, everything from strikeouts to home runs to bases to walks to steals, regular hits. Maybe you want to put a double in there. Whatever, man. They got you covered on all sorts of stuff, guys. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at-bat with quick bets. That's right. They've got you covered in every other way. Whatever you want to do, they got you covered at FanDuel. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now. Remember, you can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed after you place that first $5 bet. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. As always, thank you for making us your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Check out SiriusXM for the play-by-play, and you can even throw on my podcast. And of course, for my video listeners, check out that fam, fam, blah, 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 mailbag thing. You can respond on Twitter. And the reason I, I recommend responding to Twitter is because I could retweet you and stuff like that, you know? Make it, make it grow increase the reach you know what i mean the more people that reply and whatnot that's helpful uh go do that if you would like now ladies and gentlemen let's get into the the real nitty-gritty of things it's numbers time and i hope you guys enjoy this part when i go over our numbers nothing too deep because i frankly i'm not that smart so we, we can't go into the super deep stuff but just from the obvious point hassan kim his first year with the padres 0.5 f4 in 117 games Guy wasn't good. He had a 71 WRC plus. He could not hit. He could not catch up to pitches. And I do remember actually someone, I believe it was um, Padres Obsessed West on Twitter when we had a fantasy league that we're in. He mentioned that like the quick bat to ball um, angle that Kim took to the route was something that people were talking about a lot. And that it reminded him of what people had said about our old buddy Francisco Mejia. And then that never materialized. And that first year, there was reason for concern. But that first year, he also didn't get a lot of playing time. 
right? He was really, like, really inconsistent playing time all over the place, and it somewhat made sense. I mean, you still had Tatis over at shortstop, you had Cronenworth killing it at second base, and you still had Eric Hosmer. So it's not like it was an obvious spot for him. Um, so I wasn't really mad at that. It was just really unfortunate. But I think that people might have overreacted a tad and said, oh my god, we missed on this guy, he stinks, when he just didn't get much of a chance, right? Struggled a lot, 7.4% walk rate, 23.8% strikeout rate, his BABIP was low, was low, which might have been a sign that he sh he was gonna be at least a little bit better. But he wasn't hitting for a lot of power. It always looked like he was behind on pitches. But you have to remember, coming over for the KBO, a lot of people think that's like double A level. They think, at least that's what most experts believe. So jumping from there to major league pitching, that takes some time, and it's hard, right? And the one redeeming thing about him that year was his defense, um, which is one of the reasons I and you could go look it up. I called him the secret like Weapon X wild card for 2022. Because if you looked at Hassan Kim in like a per 162 game sample size, like if you looked at it that way, his defensive runs saved were excellent. And that amounted to the belief that he could potentially like break Andrelton Simmons' record if he stays on that pace. Of course, those are pace stats. And I don't like pace stats because you always get those people that show someone hits three home runs in the first week and they're like, this guy's on pace for 83. I don't like on pace stuff because it's just, I don't know, it's like, it's kind of boring to me. I, I don't understand the point of it. But in the case of Hassan Kim, it was useful to know the guy's a really good defender and he could play across the diamond. Next year, that's when he became the favorite. He bettered his slash line 202, 270, 352 the first year, then 251, 325, 383 his second year. Good for a 106 WRC plus. And add on to that, he had 11 home runs, 12 stolen bases. And add on to that, the fact that he was an electric defender yet again after getting more full time you know, at the position. It was great. And it was because of Fernando Tatis Jr.'s suspension and injury, obviously, right? And one of the things that I talked about on this podcast was I really hated when they called up C.J. Abrams. Now, C.J. Abrams is a player that you guys should go learn about at Lockdown Nats. My boy Ryan Clary, he does a, a kick, kick-ass job over there. Go check that out. But Abrams, I was like, why are we calling this guy up when we have Kim? Isn't that the whole point? And eventually, Abrams wasn't playing well enough, so they just gave Kim essentially the full-time job, and he was a big reason for why the Padres are successful. And then this year, finally. I just think the background is important there. Finally this year, he upgrades even further. That slash line then goes to 260, 351 on-base percentage, 398 slugging percentage, good for a 112 WRC+, and a 4.4 F4. The guy's gotten better every year. And one of the big things that happened this year is pretty simple. The guy learned how to walk. Yes, his strikeout rate went up a tad from 2022 from 17.2% .2 to 19.8, but it was completely offset by the walk rate. I mentioned the 350 on base. He went from an 8.8% walk rate to 12%. And a big reason that that happened from what I had seen, especially at, at you know, uh, like in August of this season when the guy was like like a top 20 F4 player, which was crazy. Um, Hassan Kim's first year, his first pick swing percentage was 31.6%. His chase rate, 24.2, and walk rate only 7.4. Next year, first pitch swing percentage, 24.9%. So he did ease up a little bit on the aggression. And his chase rate basically stayed the same. It went, from, it went to 24.9%. And then this year, that's the key, 18.9% first pitch swing percentage. Actually, let me let me check that again to be sure. Uh, first pitch swing percentage. Uh, it actually, yeah, it still went down, but it, it was at 20.3% to end the season. Uh, and it went down from the 24.9 from the year before, right? So 
He really improved in that regard. And first pitch strike percentage also went down from 62% to 57.8%. And what can I say, guys? That was a really, really big thing about him. He stopped swinging at the first pitch and he stopped chasing so much. And as a result, that gave us a better walk rate and had him on the base paths wrecking havoc. He also stole 38 bases this year. 38! Isn't that crazy? Like, he went from 12 to 38. Shouts to all my fancy baseball, especially rotisserie people. I know, and I remember talking to the Lockdown Fancy baseball people, all my fancy homies were like, this guy's a sleeper this year. And he absolutely played off. Like, the guy was a categorical guy. And he also hit 17 home runs. He didn't quite hit that 20 mark, but it was still really impressive nonetheless. And I think one of the things that happened this year, on top of being more patient, he turned more of his fly balls, or his pulled balls, into fly balls. Um, it's no secret that, especially at Petco, uh, Hassan Kim loves pulling the ball. We've seen this plenty of times. And this year, almost all of his home runs, except for two that went to right center field, were to left field uh, at Petco, right? Like, that was a big thing for him, and he tinkered his swing that way. That's not always a bad thing. In fact, I think that it's only a bad thing when all of your hits go to one side. But when it comes to just power, it's okay if you tap into the pull of your swing, as a, as a position player, and then just turn those into fly balls. Make sure they're not grounders. Make sure they're not, frankly, even line drives. Make them, it's just that you're pulling them into the air because that will result in more home runs. And that's what happened this year, and that's why it resulted in so much. Now, some of the stuff, not great. Hard hit percentage, he was in the third percentile this year. Barrel percentage, 11th percentile this year. His average exit velocity, 7th percentile this year. But, as I've always said on this podcast... The StatCast profile don't tell you everything, man. Not just those little blues and, you know, reds tell you everything. That's not the type of player that Hassan Kim is. Instead, he's a guy that picks his spots really well because the other stats, his chase percentage, 90th percentile. Whiff percentage, 91st percentile. Strikeout rate was in 63rd percentile, so pretty solid. And then his walk percentage, 86th percentile. So while it is true that he's not hitting the ball super hard, and that's probably why it's like only 17 home runs, the guy was able to tap into a decent amount of power, look for the right pitch, and hit a whole lot of home runs to left field. And that's enough. He didn't. He doesn't need to be some superstar bat home run player. He just needs to be solid. He just needs to be like our Ben Zobrist. You know what I mean? And while Luis Arise is an amazing player and probably a better overall hitter than Hassan Kim, even without the power, that he's just he's just the, just that nuts. Um, Hassan Kim was much better defensively than Luis Arise. That's one thing. I want Luis Arise to be so good at defense so bad. Like, come on, man. It's not like you're draining yourself with the power. Like, just be a better hitter, a better defender. That'd be great. And in terms of defense, that, of course, was a great thing for Hassan Kim as well. But just to say, this year, Hassan Kim, the 4.4 F4 mark, which I bet there's some people listening to this podcast that will be a little bit surprised that he had the same F4 uh, mark, more or less, as Xander Bogarts kind of crazy right but some of the things that he was good at like i said the 4.4 f4 he was let me make sure i get this right that was the 31st mark uh 31st best mark tied with brandon nemo among all major league players right or i'm sorry it was actually like a 20 way tie my god it was tied with xander bogarts tj friedel i didn't know about that will smith james outman fernando tatis jr and finally, like I said, Brandon Nimmo. So those are the guys he tied with. A lot of people he tied with. And there was a point in the year when he was actually leading an F4, or at least he was like a top 15 player, and he almost had a shot at being an all-star. I'm a little bit sad that he didn't. But nonetheless, he was excellent this year for all those reasons I outlined. And I love that he got better. So there's no reason to say he might not get even more better next year. 
And I think it's mostly legit, especially the walk rate. I think that part is totally legit. You could argue the home runs, not as much, especially because when you look at things like expected home runs by ballpark, a lot of places, uh, not so great, right? Places like Camden Yards are a little bit of an extreme because that's not a place where batters try to hit it to left field. They usually go to right field, but even still, almost every ballpark with the exception of, let's see here, the Phillies, the Reds, obviously great American ballpark, probably the biggest hitter-friendly ballpark, the Rockies a little bit. Um, what else we got here? What else we got here? Um, and the White Sox. Aside from those three, three places, basically every other ballpark, Hassan Kim would have had less home runs. And it's because he took advantage of Petco. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Remember that, like, it's not a batter's fault that they take advantage of the parameters of the ballpark that they play half their games in. You know what I mean? So I don't think that's always, an, like, something to hold against the player. And he did. He tinkered his swing that way. They're smart. They got data. They know these things. They said, hey, you're a pull hitter already, so turn those into fly balls. He might get some home runs this year. So while I do think that he might have gotten a little bit fortunate on the home run department. It would not surprise me if he only hits like 10 next year. The fact that he can steal bases, he's a great base runner, he can take a lot of pitches, that vaulted him into being one of the best leadoff hitters in the National League, and that's impressive. And another thing that he did really well, that basically every other Padre was, was pretty bad at, we're going to talk about in just a second, guys. How do you like that for a tease? Uh, but before we get into it, guys, let me just tell you about something... Lovely. <laughs> Let me tell you guys, and I've, I've talked about them before. I have. I love them. I love them a whole bunch, ladies and gentlemen. And that's the lovely folks over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, here's the thing. Make you look good. Make you look good. They are stretch khaki shorts, and they are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted, you know what I mean? Like, you know when you go to the art museums and stuff, and you see, like, these, these like, like Hermes, or not Hermes. Hermes is the runner, right? Heck, Hermes, too. Shouts to Hermes. Good guy. And then Hercules, you know, those guys. That's what it'll make you feel like. You'll be walking through the land. You'll be walking to your, your morning breakfast deli, whatever. Getting that bagel, and you will feel like a hundred bucks. Because another thing I like about them is they don't make you all sweaty and whatnot. They use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that helps keep you cool and dry all day long. I very much use them on a hot, hot day. I'm not saying of recent because, you know, it hasn't been hot of recent. If people didn't know that, we're in October. Um, but when I went to the Yankees game, it was so great because especially I was on like a top level of seats. The sun was basically right uh, in me and my friend's face, like super, super comfortable the whole time. No sweat, just super easy. And what I, it's, they're kind of good for every occasion. You know what I mean? Like if it's a baseball game, if you're going to a party, if you're going outside, if you're going walking, if you're working out, whatever it is, they kind of help you no matter what. And that's what I love about them so much, guys. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better, folks. And let me tell you, you might be wondering, well, Happy, um, cool. Like I, I get ads all the time. Like what's in it? What else? Give me some more. I got you. Don't worry. Don't worry. I got you. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and enter the promo code locked on MLB at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. Like I said, you're going through a walk in the park. You're feeling good. You got to have the water bottle with you, man. Hey, I lost mine recently. That's why you've been seeing me drink my out of a bottle lately. <laughs> so that's why. But 
I love my water bottles and I know you like them too. So go check that out. They look great as well. Love it. It has like a nice tin, like uh, what's that called? Like the lid on top. Like it's not like some cheap thing. So shouts to them. That's birddogs.com locked on MLB for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Go check it out. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Remember, as always, first listen every day, Sirius XM. And of course, one more time for the YouTube folk, go check out the mailbag prompt or message me. Leave stuff in the comments. Again, it can be about anything, particularly baseball, but it can be about anything, about any team or whatever, and I will happily answer it because it's been an eternity since the last time I did a mailbag, believe me. And this is a special Friday because Spider-Man 2 comes out, so I kind of want to celebrate. Um... Guys, let's now talk about one other thing that Hassan Kim did very well before we talk a little bit about how you could potentially be a little bit uh, worried about his season um, next year. A little bit. I already talked about the expected home runs, but we're going to get back into it. Lastly, Hassan Kim was really clutch this year. Uh, Like, he was. But it was a little bit more different than you might expect. And I think that one of the difficulties sometimes with judging players is that the... (laughs) How do I put this? It's such a long season that you will forget the bad sometimes, and there was bad, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, that you only remember the good. And while Hassan Kim did have, like, more moments than others that I think a lot of people will forget, that doesn't take away from the fact that in high-leverage situations this year, Hassan Kim was among the best players on the Padres. The best one, of course, was Juan Soto. As I've talked about before, 275 average in high-leverage situations this year. And in terms of... Um, WRC plus, he had a 125 WRC plus in high leverage situations. But you know who had a better WRC plus in high leverage situations? Hassan Kim, 129 this year. Every time the crowd was cheering for him, he'd get that walk, he'd put a ball in play, he'd get a sacrifice fly, or he'd just straight rip a home run. He was one of the few players that actually hit the walk-off for the Padres this year, and that was amazing. He hit a walk-off, and it was so early on in the season that we all thought, you know, we all were tempted, like, oh my god, there's more to come, don't worry, this is going to be great. And of course it didn't, but still, Hassan Kim was very good in that regard this season. Again, in high-leverage situations, if you go on fan graphs, that's where he excelled. Interestingly, though, interestingly, though, with runners in scoring position this year, his WRC plus from bases empty was 136. Now, part of that is because he was primarily used as a leadoff hitter. Men on base, it was 72, and then men in scoring, 84. But then high leverage situations, forget the runners in scoring position, he was good across the board. Low leverage, medium leverage, high leverage. So what that might tell you is Hassan Kim was very good when the Padres were behind. Right? And I, I don't have all the, the in-depth um, stuff behind you, but he was able to do it when they were behind. Sometimes when they're already ahead, not so much. It's not like he poured on, which I will take the former. I'd rather you help us make comebacks rather than only add on and give an extra home run when we're already up by five, which is something that Manny Machado did a lot this year. I talked about in the player review of him. High leverage situations this year, only two home runs, and then medium and low, 18 and 10, right? Like So he just wasn't hitting for power when it, when it really mattered the most. Hassan Kim was. And I think that he deserves a whole lot of credit for that, especially since he's not exactly the player that was billed or expected or relied upon to be the clutch producer. There are some negatives, though, about Hassan Kim's season, right? There are some negatives. Actually, wait. 
I just realized I didn't talk just yet about his defense. Really quickly, I want to mention that. Hassan Kim is probably going to win a gold glove this year. <laughs> I just totally forgot to mention that. Hassan Kim probably going to win himself a gold glove this year. It's a big reason why his F4 is so high. Just steals and home runs alone are great and all that. The batting average, the on-base is great too. But when it comes to his defense, Hassan Kim was electric this year, and he's always been electric. And what's great about him and why he's kind of our Ben Zobrist is because he can play multiple positions and play very well at all of them. In terms of his defensive runs saved this year, at second base, he had 11, and then outs above average, he had seven. In terms of third base, where he played for a little bit, he had three defensive runs saved and two outs above average across 253 innings. And then at shortstop, where he played for 153 innings this season, three defensive runs saved, zero outs above average, but that all together puts you a grand spanking total that is among the best in Major League Baseball. His outs above average mark of 10, the aggregate of all those positions, was in the 96th percentile this year. His arm strength was solid. His sprint speed, which I already mentioned, helps him get to the balls faster. It's great. He was an electric defender, and because of the versatility, I bet you when the season ends and is announced and whatnot, I bet you he's going to be a finalist for the gold glove. So love him there. Now on to the negative. The negative is like what I mentioned earlier. I kind of, you know, uh, what's the word when you get to something too quickly? I kind of jumped the bit, jumped the something. What's the word? Stole the thunder? I don't know. Leave a comment. Maybe I'll remember it over the course of this uh, monologue. But I already mentioned the expected home runs. With the exception of just like three or four ballparks, every ballpark expected, and if you look this up on Savant, basically had him hitting much less uh, in terms of home runs. Basically, like if it was the Kansas City, it was nine. Detroit Tigers, only 13. You know, for most other places, right? Camden Yards, he was only going to have five. Like he didn't have, he, he a lot of his home run power came off of doing really go, good at Petco and tinkering his swing that way, which I don't fault him for. That's fine. That's where he's playing. Um, but the other negative for Hassan Kim this year that I think should be mentioned is we kind of forgot because he had such an incredible stretch, especially when nobody else was producing. And I think that's what happened. July, June, July, those bad San Francisco series, he was one of the players still producing. So I think we forget, but Hassan Kim was really bad uh, down the stretch of the season. And I think that's why he wasn't as up there in F4. It cost him a point or two. And that's why there's such a big like eight-player tie and why it might have cost him um, just in general a little bit more, I think, acclaim um, this season. In terms of his his splits by the month, he started off his season very poorly, and I overreacted. I, I thought, oh no. I was hoping to see him improve this year, but I'm not seeing it. That first month, he had a 79 WRC plus at the plate in March. I shouldn't say first month. In March and April. Then in May, he was on fire for basically up until August. 126 WRC plus in May, June 134, July 178, and I think this is why people forgot. I think because of that immaculate July and June stretch that people forgot, he did go down a little bit. 112 WRC plus in August, and here's the big thing, in September, October, he was atrocious, hitting for a slash line of 176, 262, and only slug 209. That's good for a 471 OPS and a 36 WRC+. That's what cost Kim here. There was a point when his slugging percentage was above 400, and it dipped, if you guys remember, when I was bringing up the slash lines, and that's because he had a really bad September. Now, part of me is almost like, I'll let it slide, because it felt like the Padres had given up by then anyway. Even after the deadline, like, 
a lot of players, like remember they they sweep the Rangers, they had the good um, series against the Rays, they make all the trades. He was still good then, right? Everybody else stunk. Hassan Kim stunk the month that it seemed like it mattered the least, which I will give him a little bit, right? September, October. But it even still is worth bringing up, and it is worth bringing up whether or not Hassan Kim got, um, we shouldn't expect this to happen again. I think that's totally fair. This year, there's nothing immediately that jumps out, though. Nothing immediately. But with the expected home runs, one example, if you want to go by isolated power, last year, um, Kim hit 11 home runs, isolated power mark of 132. This year, hit 17, isolated power mark of 138. So that shows you that got a little bit lucky probably in the home run department. I don't personally care all that much, but don't think that because Kim has improved his home run total every year that now next year he's going to hit 25. It could happen. It could happen, but I wouldn't expect it just because of the progression, the arc, right? Based on these numbers that I've mentioned to you so far, with his BABIP, with his home run fly ball rate, with the expected home runs, with the isolated power, I wouldn't expect that to get better. Could he? Sure. But I need more of a a sign, more uh, uh, evidence that he's going to do that. Maybe if a spike in hard hit rate starts happening, you know, first first like uh, month of next year, then we can start talking about, oh my God, is this guy getting better again? Um, but in general... I don't think that's going to happen, and that's fine. A 4.4 win player, especially for a team that's spending bajillions on other guys that should have been 6.4 win players, that's totally fine. That's what they need out of Hassan Kim, and he delivered excellently, which is why I give his season an A. An A. I'm going to give it an A, and that's higher than Juan Soto, who I gave an A-. The reason why is because Hassan Kim was a more complete player, and the expectations weren't nearly as high, and he achieved it. Juan Soto basically did what you needed and what you expected. Elite level hitter, but really bad defender and base runner. And that was one of the problems. Now, don't get me wrong, he's still an amazing player. I gave him an A minus, guys. Relax. But I give Hassan Kim an, an A because he stepped up. And I think that does mean a lot when we're just grading a player in terms of their one season in a vacuum, right? So, shouts to Hassan Kim. He was awesome. Cannot wait for him next year. And I know a lot of people are wondering, like, man, you extended Cronenworth, but not Kim? For the record, before last season started, I would have rather extended neither of them. And because that, my thing is just, I don't like extending utility type of players like Kim, like Ben Zobrist, who I've mentioned a lot. Because they just tend to be players that you can find that production. It's a little bit easier to find that production. You know, similar to when you're trying to judge between the seventh and eighth best tight end in fantasy football. There's not too much of a of a, a discernible difference between the two. The difference is a little bit negligible. So that's why, for me, um, I would not have extended either of them. That would have been option one. But it is true that for option two, I would have rather, if we had to extend one of them, I would have rather Kim because he'd been showing that he'd been getting better each year. I don't think that this is going to happen with the Padres now. I think with the amount of money they have already given out to other players, I don't think they can. I think that Kim will be a really fascinating player, though, that if the Padres are really bad next year at the deadline, yeah, I could see potentially, or even before that, um, but probably at the deadline, if he's really bad, I'd be curious to see if you can get something from him. It won't be nearly as much as Soto, especially because both of them will now be just rentals for the rest of the season, but that is a storyline to look at because I just don't see an extension coming our way for Hassan Kim, and frankly, because of all the amount that's already been given out, because Soto is a little bit more of a priority, a lot more of a priority. I just don't see it. So be prepared for this to potentially be upcoming in 2024, Hassan Kim's last season with the Padres. And yes, 
it makes me just as sad to say that as I imagine you listeners and viewers, it is to hear and listen to it. So, you know, what can I say? That is just the reality of the situation, folks. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Go answer the question. Mailbag request on Twitter. You got, a couple, you got a day or two, so don't worry. There's no rush. But still, get those questions in, man. YouTube comments, replies, DMs, whatever. I'm there. The DMs are open. I think on both of my accounts. If they're not, just tweet at me. I promise I'll, I'll answer it. It's not like I'm getting tweeted at by hundreds of thousands of people. We're good. I'll figure it out. Um, in terms of tomorrow's episode, today was supposed to be the Padres' outlook. I'm saving the five que- biggest questions for the Padres' offseason, probably on Monday. I've got an article going up for Just Baseball where I'm just going to write it in more finer detail. So that'll be coming out. Tomorrow, I'm talking with Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies to talk about if the Dodgers could be dethroned. It's been a while since I've done a crossover, so honestly looking forward to that. And then Friday's episode, of course, will be the mailbag. Good times ahead indeed. But of course, until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.